0: Welcome to the Burlap Podcast. I'm Chris Abel, and I'm here with the president of Burlap, Chris Fulmsby. And today, we're going to be talking about millennial men. Regardless of changing gender norms in Western culture, you've probably seen women and men show up in different ways in your church communities. And so we decided to talk about this idea because we noticed a gender gap. Men and women interact with church differently. Maybe they always have, but we are definitely seeing it in modern society. So, Chris... Let's yes. start off with. I'm just curious, like, what have you seen in your experience working in churches?
1: Is this a John McEnroe, Serena Williams conversation? Is that where we're going?
0: if it would tell me more
1: <laughs> so I don't I mean this uh I don't know when this podcast will air in relationship to the recent controversy and conversations around a statement that John McEnroe made about female tennis players and male tennis players and anyway I love John McEnroe he's great I I loved watching him play tennis I always wanted to be a tennis player but I just suck at tennis but anyway he said uh, he mentioned something in respect to if uh, she was she's a great player he said she's Fantastic, best in the world, no doubt about it. Uh, best female player in the world. And this interview lady doing the interview said, "Well, why do you got to designate male or female?" And he said, "Because it's apples to oranges, essentially," is what he said. I don't want to put words—I don't want to put words in his mouth that he didn't say. And, and I think after the interview, he did yeah, he said say that. that at some point. But anyway, uh, and you know, then he said what I think was probably an unnecessary statement about if she was not in the male circuit, she would be 700th in the world or whatever. So, anyway, all that to say is, uh, as you were talking about gender roles and millennial men, it's just what came to my mind.
0: So. Yeah, we, I, I definitely. Uh it's definitely controversial, right, to talk about gender roles because things are changing. You know, women are are stepping up. They're, uh, you know, they don't. Once upon a time, as a woman, you needed a guy to survive, essentially, right? And today, women are very capable. they they can, they can have careers and lead homes um, by themselves, and it's part of the reality of the twenty first century. So, but it's funny that we're we're sensitive about this stuff because I think men don't know how to how to, how the world's changing, or maybe disoriented by it, and women. You know, are, are finding new opportunities that they haven't had before in human history. And so we're, tr- we're in the middle of figuring all of this out as a culture. And then this guy throws in a comment like, well, she'd be 700th, which wasn't about a value judgment. It's just physically, there's, yeah. it's the one place where you can see a lot of differences in men and women.
1: Yeah, and over the 20 years or so that I've been doing ministry, church-based ministry in particular, um, I definitely have noticed major differences. And then I've noticed cha- that it's changing. Um, in the last few years especially. But uh, a couple examples would be, you know, growing up especially in the environment I did, a pretty fundamentalist, what I'd call a fundamentalist environment. That's the church I went to. That's the college I went to. Super conservative, some might say. They might, they might not use the word fundamental. I use it now looking back on it. But, uh, they, you know, men were leading churches where women were doing the bulk of ministry. And so, I always found that to be a little strange and a little bit odd that like you know you have these men leading churches, but the people who are actually doing the work are women uh everyday ministry for the most part I mean
0: and that was just your norm right
1: that was the norm and that and and I didn't really think much of it until uh, I was doing ministry at a church in Minnesota, great church, great people, had lots of fun there for the years I was there, but I noticed specifically in the staff, the, the dimensions of, of the staff uh, and, the, and the composition of particularly our senior pastor, who is a great guy, who is kind of more of the hoorah, kind of like, let me go roll my sleeves up, get dirty, let's go build a house, let's go chop some wood, you know, let's go climb a mountain kind of guy. And then uh, one of our associate pastors who is much more, what I would say, um, gentle, compassionate, caring. Not that the senior pastor wasn't caring. I think they cared in different ways, and they and they yeah. just expressed themselves differently. And so I thought that was really interesting, and it was really the first time that I had seen a male, I'll say pastor just because that was the nature of the world I was living in at the time, but a, a male who could uh, express what I would call feminine or female attributes in a way that most men were puzzled by, right? Mm. So it was like this guy was just, he he just was a caring guy he was soft he was gentle he was very emotional he just really was a different way of of what i had ever seen before and he it was remarkable like he cared for me specifically personally in ways that like i don't feel like i had ever been cared for in those kinds of ways just the way he entered into my world and was able to help me through some personal uh, different challenging uh, experiences. And, and then one more experience that just comes to my mind, and then we'll get past just me, me talking about this here, is whenever, as a youth pastor in particular, whenever I had conversations about teenagers and faith formation, I was usually having it with the mom. Usually the mom was the one knocking on my office door, going, hey, like, my kid's getting ready to graduate, can you fix them? (laughs) You know, kind of a thing. It wasn't always that extreme. A lot of times it was, you know, we're trying to help our young middle schooler or our preteen get involved more in their faith. What recommendations do you have? Or what books can they read? Or what should I be doing to model it? But I was largely having the conversation with the women. Uh, And the men were largely absent. And I don't know that that has anything to do necessarily with gender roles changing and the way that we view masculinity today than right. we did, say, 10 or 15 years ago. But I've noticed that millennial men are, I would say, coming around the church more. Have you, I mean, would you, would you say that? Like, you're the one doing young adult ministry every day with, uh, with millennials. Like, what's been your experience, like, with men in particular choosing to be involved in church activities because I I've always seen many 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 more women around the church than I have men
0: yeah uh, No, that's a great question uh, you know and it's something that I pay attention to I you know my primary role is working with young adults and so what actually prompted this discussion is looking around and realizing that there are well we're kind of talking about two different things today right we're talking about men and women in church we're also talking about how masculinity's kind of changed. Like, you can't talk about reaching men without also talking about how things are changing, too. And so...
1: I think, by the way, just to interrupt you really quick, yeah. I think that's one of the big challenges between boomers and millennials, is that it is changing. Like, it's it's... I don't have a bunch of research and statistics, but anecdotally, I can tell you that the way that people express themselves has changed. And when I interact with a 65-year-old small group leader and when I act with a interact with a 25 year old small group it, who are men they they not always but in most cases they express themselves completely different yeah and i think the church needs to be aware of that and pay attention to that
0: and i want to answer your question about what i've seen but before i actually have some some information, some Bring survey that actually has something exactly to do with what you were just talking about, and so uh, this is from a survey that was done for YouGov, and they the survey was about and the the, the if you want to look this up you can Google the decline of the manly man, which is this the is
1: decline of the manly man, the
0: manly man, right. and so what they did is they surveyed um, people from eighteen to you know sixty five plus, and they found that uh, men are defining their masculinity differently. And so, basically, they asked all these men. This is the question: uh, on a scale of zero to six, where zero is completely masculine and six is completely feminine, place yourself on the scale. So, let's let's let's. I just want to let's see how close you can get to the guess guesswork here, huh? Okay. So, 65 and older. What percentage of men do you think they put zero, completely masculine? What percent do you think we're working
1: um, with? I would probably guess at least half, probably a little more than half.
0: You're right. Yeah, 65% of men that are 65 and older said that they are completely masculine. Well, they have zero, they are zero on the scale. Well, towards I chose
1: half because it, I knew I'd be close. <laughs> but <laughs> So you're saying 65% of the men yep. in this research that, you, that you're that you looking at, so that, which I'm not looking at, so you're, you're the one staring at the screen here, yep. 65% said they have zero... Feminine traits. Yep. oh well yeah. Okay.
0: And then beyond that, seventeen percent put themselves one tick up. So just barely. Barely. I, I might occasionally. I, have, I might be nice. Seventeen <laughs> percent. Uh, so that that leaves, if we're looking at this quickly, like only twenty percent that that were outside of just the wow. huge. Now I'm just gonna skip for the sake of time to the m- millennial, eighteen to twenty nine. What percentage do you think said completely masculine with no feminine traits? Oh man, this one's much harder to guess. Right. Now, remember, 65 and older, 65% of men.
1: Um I would probably I would probably shoot for I'm probably going to be surprised here, but I I might venture to say more like 30 to 40%.
0: Spot on again. It's thirty percent exactly. Okay. So we go. We went from sixty-five percent of men, sixty-five and older, who say they have zero feminine traits, to only thirty
1: percent of men. So, so half. I don't have the research in front of me, but could we say? And it's not from the U.S., but let's say it works. <laughs> no, we no say, this is U.S. This okay. This so is US could too. we say half? Could we say that it's it, that half of the people have chosen? Wait a minute. So where are we at? We're at what age so group? So on the 18, scale, okay. this is
0: eighteen to twenty-nine. So okay. on the scale, only thirty percent said that they are completely one hundred percent masculine, which is still a lot of like you know that's a lot of masculine guys. It's still thirty percent, but the majority actually ticked up the scale. They would they they picked a number one, two, or three, which is closer to feminine wow. traits. So if you say you know if you a three is still you would still be saying that you are. M- you know you're half and half that's okay. what a three would be okay and three we still have a significant amount of where man-picking. would you put you I would say i'm a i would put myself as um i would leaning masculine but with feminine traits yeah
1: I would think I would probably say that only i might i might because it's such a hard thing to really evaluate i'd given any circumstance or situation you might find yourself in, I'd probably put myself right at a three, I guess. Really?
0: Yeah. So you would say that you have kind of fifty percent you embody yeah, both I, sides I of things. I think
1: so, I think so. I mean others might not say that about me. Huh. But I, I kinda yeah. feel that way. I don't about know anybody myself.
0: in the office that's like, oh yeah, Chris, he's really like he's really gentle.
1: But I don't I wouldn't <laughs> say I walk around like you know, like you know, like I'm all kind of rough and gruff either yeah, though. Fair enough. Maybe. You you know.
0: care about your family. Traditionally, that's seen as feminine, which is not fair, I think. Uh, Oh,
1: yeah, that's not fair. I'm not sure that's even true, but whatever. You don't think so? I mean, I I think it's hard to say that, like, traditionally, men haven't cared about their family.
0: I think men are providers, but I think the idea of caretaking is different when you care for your kids. But I
1: think providing is caring in some people's minds. So I guess yeah. it's all semantics maybe. It ter- is semantics. In terms of how well, you find those words. Are, I know they're hard, they purposes, are hard words. They are. Yeah. Cultural impressions, right? Okay, so let's get back to this. Yeah. Like, okay, okay so, so you're doing... I'm sharing this. I, yeah, share my, your experience and perspective Even, with me as a millennial. What's
0: fascinating to me is 20% of young men actually pick something on the feminine side of the spectrum. So one in five young... Millennial men actually see themselves as more feminine than masculine and I don't think this, this has nothing to do There was nothing here with LGBTQ or anything They just find themselves embodying traditionally what they consider more feminine traits and I put that in quotes in the air that you can't see um, but Yeah, that was nice that was, But I, I just and I think that's fascinating and I think that's one of the things that's changing and I think what when we think about millennial men we see more friendships deeper friendships I think social media is the, is the challenge to that is that emotionally they're looking for deeper connections, but social media is uh, an antagonistic force to keep that from happening. Actually.
1: Oh, interesting. Yeah.
0: There's stats on that, but that we don't have, I don't have in front of me, but, um, so my experience to all of that is like a big roundabout to get back to my experiences. I worked for this church in, um, a few years ago and, and, and I, I worked for this older pastor, you know, he's a boomer, very, uh, just demanded respect. And and I find when I, we'll talk about this in a minute, but I find when somebody demands respect that there's actually a lot of insecurity there. Uh, and so he, Often he just, there is, yeah. He had climbed the good old boy ladder. He had gotten a cushy job. He was used to being respected. He didn't like being challenged. He, was, he wanted just to say what he wanted to say and everybody follow it. And it was so boring and so difficult to work for him because I wanted to help and I wanted to contribute and I wanted to be mentored and I wanted to build a relationship with him and he just wanted to tell me what to do. And I remember one day I told him I was a 20-hour a week position and it was while I was in seminary and he and he had me in sitting in worship in a robe on this like up on stage for four hours a week. Four hours I was sitting in that stupid robe and I told him I'm like you're using 20% of my time to sit doing nothing. Can you just I don't want to be up there. I don't think it's helpful.
1: Was the robe cool though?
0: <laughs> no. It was it was awful. And uh, and I'm not a robe guy though. So I bet you look good in a robe. I'm just saying. Yeah, thanks. That's nice of you, boss. So this this guy, he just he just wouldn't want to hear it. There's no there's no conversation. It was just nope, it's just what I've decided. They need to see you up front. And it just I just felt completely dismissed, like I was not important to him. And to me, that is, I mean, sometimes when, I think there are other masculine traits that I admire, the ones that are adventurous and that lead people and that are concerned with providing, like I like traits like that. But this guy had embodied a form of masculinity that was actually com- like just one that completely I did not connect with at all. On the other hand, I worked for a pastor who was caring, who asked me how I was doing every week, who listened to me, who folded me in and got me to know his family and spent time with me and invested in me. And that guy is the reason I'm in ministry and that I kept going in ministry when I wasn't sure. And I thought all, I thought everyone in my denomination was like that. I realized that I just got really, really
1: lucky with my first. You know, I job. wonder just interject here real quick. I wonder if a better word for you to use than caring is nurturing because yeah, I think it's really difficult to say that the other guy didn't care. I mean, Maybe he didn't. I don't know him. I never met the dude. But just to say that someone doesn't care, I think that that's that's that particular person's way of trying to care. So I don't ever want to say that somebody's not caring. But I, I would say that I know people who are caring, but nurturing. To think about nurturing isn't their first go to. Right. You know. So maybe that's a better word. I don't. I'm just. Saying, I'm of, just suggesting. Yeah. That. I don't know.
0: Well, part of this discussion is that a lot of these men. A lot of men, if you're listening right now, you, you and I, we've been enculturated with what masculinity is. And if, you're, if you've are if you been alive longer, you have an older version of what masculinity looks like. Uh, and so that means like a lot of us, we were, were born into this. We had no options except to be masculine. It was what the world told us we, knew we were supposed to do. It's what the church told us we were supposed to do. We were supposed to act certain ways, like certain things. And you know, one of the things that's changing about the world is that we're becoming more individualistic. That's a millennial trait, you know, as you know, in, in burlap data, um, absolutely. Which means that people are exploring who they are first and foremost, but that they're still being influenced by quote unquote masculine traits. So I went to Facebook, and I asked my my Facebook friends, my Facebook followers, uh, this question what does a 21st century masculinity look like? And the answers I got were actually they rate, I mean, some people just wrote essays. It was fascinating, but what I found in common was that nobody had anything in common. That there were just so many different opinions and perspectives that it's actually a huge question right now of what is masculinity?
1: I'm Uh, mostly interested in the females who commented. I mean, here we are, two men talking about men. I'm really interested to say, to, I want to hear all all, all of you know whatever mm-hmm. you want to share there but I'm mostly sitting here saying here's two men talking about men if the other Ugh. chairs were filled with women what would they be saying right. right I think we need to like at least make mention of the fact that we still only see half of the equation right yeah. so anyways
0: Well one guy even said that he defines his masculinity on what he sees the women he like he, the women he likes what they like in a man so right. he actually defined who he became as a man based on what women would like in a man. I think that's pretty common for most people. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. Like, some of my traits and activity, I go to the gym not because I, you know, want to be in shape. I'd rather eat the Oreos, but I know that, <laughs> like, I'm not going to find a wife. If
1: what I'm, you should do is go to the gym and eat Oreos.
0: No, yeah, well, it just... No, men don't eat or no. I love <laughs> Oreos. Sorry, we're getting off. So, but but I'm looking at I'm just looking at the wall here, and I just wanted to share a few things that people shared. So, one of my friends posted just the, this is all he posted. He just said, "I struggle with that. I struggle with what a first 21st century masculinity looks like." Um, another person made beard jokes, like a, a man looks like a big beard, and you know,
1: for the last what five,
0: ten years, beards have been a big thing, right? Right? Yeah. Now.
1: Um, you have a beard. I do have a beard. Yeah. Uh, does it make you feel more manly? Yeah, actually okay. people make All comments right. well, that I look like a go. little boy. If you don't have your if beard, I don't have my beard, yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, somebody wrote a man bun, no job and living in your parents' basement. Oh, that's
1: <laughs> harsh, man. <laughs> that is harsh.
0: It is. See, yeah, we can, we can goof a little bit. Okay. Then we had a bunch of fluctuating com- combinations of toughness and compassion. Um, Somebody wrote, I'll know it when I see it. So it's beyond just explanations. Um, somebody also wrote, a while back, I had to settle on the idea that if a person's definition of masculinity didn't include me, so this is a guy writing, then that definition was wrong. By nature, he was saying he is a man, and masculinity defines everything that he would potentially be. Like it's, it, Interesting. He, the word shouldn't force him to be anything. The word should be defined by men. Um, As a male, I'm a living embodiment of what masculinity is. Why must I adhere to another person's standards to earn a masculine identity? Which is really thought-provoking.
1: Well, I think that's where we started this conversation is, in large part is how... Well, maybe not started it, but <clears throat> where it went off to was how boomers view masculinity versus millennials. I'm assuming these are young adults yep. that are responding on your on your page. And I think that's that's a really interesting insight. It's like, why should anybody... Get to pick what masculinity means for me, mm-hmm. and that's where I think a lot of the older generations in our church, the boomers, in particular, and even some Xers of which I am, would look at masculinity and say, Well, you're not masculine because you're not this. Well, what is whatever this might be? And this is this person's going now has nothing to do with being this, it has everything to do with being who I am,
0: hmm. Which is also, I find, kind of a Christian thing that like God didn't design you to be some you know copy and paste vanilla Christian, God designed you in a way that's unique and there's a demand in the world for, for you, for who God wants you to be. And that's, just, that's so empowering, but that gets to, uh, that gets to kind of the five tips that we wanted to talk to and just close up with on reaching young men, reaching young millennial men, um, that we've kind of seen, these aren't, these aren't studies, these are just kind of our own experiences, and the first one of those, and the, I think there's, we're going to hit kind of both maybe con- traditionally feminine and masculine traits here that, that can help with reaching young men. And the first tip here is to care, that, there's, that, that caring um, is something that will reach young, young people, including young men. I find in my ministry that the men that are consistent are the ones that I'm spending time with and investing in. That if I don't, I guarantee you that they will slip away. They will just fade. And if I'm not challenging, if I'm not investing, if I'm not spending time, if I'm not helping, like they will fade. And that comes from a source of caring for them. I want them to be connected and have friendships and, and grow. And I realize that there's a lot of pressure out there for young men to drift and to be alone and to do life alone. And so that's something that I've seen. I seen? think
1: this is that you're hitting on something that is really important as it relates to the different segments of millennials, I'll call them, particularly since this conversation is about men, millennial men, like the way we care for people is subjective in two ways. The person we're caring for is never gonna be the same as the next person we're caring for, right? So we have to learn who those people are and We've done some work at Burlap with the segmentation of just saying not all millennials look the same. Here's six ways you can identify them. They probably aren't the only six, but they are key six key ways. But I think one of the challenges for people who might be listening is, well, not just, yeah, sure, I already care, but how do I best care? And I, what I hear you saying is making, making sure people are allowed to be who they are. But I also feel like people think they might be caring, but really what they ought to do is ask others, am I a caring person? <laughs> because, or, how or how can I care best? Because I think I don't know one person, one p- pastor, one ministry leader, who would say they don't care. They're, that's why they're there, they do care. But like it may not be perceived as caring because of the way I'm delivering it. Does that yeah. make sense? And so I think we gotta get our hands around that too and say, Like just because you think you care, does the person that you're quote unquote caring for think you're caring? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. So I didn't. I don't want to keep us going. But so okay. So tip one for reaching millennials: care Care. and
0: and find ways that that care is actually received, felt. Yeah, Yeah, felt. Okay. Uh, The second tip that we have is. Oh wait, I need. Can I add one more thing? Yeah, yeah, do it. So uh, another thing about care. This is this gets heavy for a second, men are four times more likely than women to commit suicide.
1: Whoa.
0: You can't say that's, that. I mean, maybe there's an argument that that's biological. I think that we live in a society that tells men that they're not allowed to ask for help, that they don't have people that they can rely on. When things are dark, they're supposed to handle it on their own, they're supposed to grit their teeth and bear it, and, and I think women are encouraged and maybe naturally um, better at connecting, asking for help. Um, Looking for deep relationships, being open about their emotions, and I think that's a place where that a hard edge masculinity hurts men. Um, that it's something that we feel like we're supposed to subscribe to, but that it can it hurts a lot of us. Yeah, you're right, man. And that so that's you... why care is important too, is because you don't know the pain that somebody's going through, and a lot of us keep it under under the surface. Yeah. And so it's not just making someone feel nice; it's about literally, you don't know what's going on in their lives, right. and men right. aren't as likely to
1: share that yeah that's good man That's so good. so the
0: second uh tip that we have for reaching young men is confidence and we do not i just want to say quickly this is not arrogance the arrogance works against this the arrogance to me screams insecurity i can smell arrogance a mile away and i want nothing to do with that leader uh, do you have any thoughts on confidence chris
1: well i think I think we have to be. Well, the first thing that comes to my mind is I want to be careful to make sure we're not confusing definitions of masculinity and confidence, first mm-hmm. of all, because, like you just said, confidence by way of arrogance it might be masculine, but it certainly isn't the kind of confidence that attracts people, particularly young millennials, if I hear, you, you know, if I'm projecting that on what you just said. But I just think confidence, you know, is is a key that, and I th- I think probably the biggest thing for me is let's be confident that this that the mission, the message, and the ministry of Jesus, is good enough. Like we don't have to necessarily frame it around like you know you know, real men follow Jesus in this way, or a man's man following Jesus like a man's man. Like, no, like following Jesus and and pursuing the life and ministry of Jesus is not gender based, right? It, It transcends gender. And let's be confident that the mission and the message that we have can reach everyone, regardless of where they are on the masculinity scale, if you will. I think that's a key piece. I don't know if that's where you were going with this tip, and you know, per se, but that's the first thing that came to my mind is making sure we don't mix it up with some kind of you know, reverse masculinity kind of thing. But then the other one is like, let's be confident that the message is enough in the mission as lived out, uh, you know, like we should be living out authentically.
0: And when people first saw Jesus and his ministry, they thought, who is this man? And where did he, well he speaks with such authority, and I think sometimes we again conflate authority with with masculinity. And authority is, uh, is is security. Authority is speaking with confidence. And uh, and I and I love that. I love that idea of Jesus, who was so compassionate and merciful and loving, and built relationships and invested in these twelve guys. He also spoke with authority, and that there's that you can have you can have that kind of strength and still have kindness and softness too so
1: tips for reaching millennial men the first one would be care as we've discussed the second would be confidence what's next
0: third one is challenge them uh this does not mean be mean (laughs) or be a jerk this means uh give them something to do be active i i had i took this missions trip to denver and we brought a group of young adults and it was 50 percent guys and 50 percent women and it was camping too of all things and um it was amazing to see the community building that happened when we had something to do with our hands the guys like a accompli- we like to be makers and changers
1: yeah just basically do give them something to do yeah you know uh, i remember a quote i read i believe it came from john wimber founder of the Vineyard Church movement, but he said if you want people to come to church, give them a job. And I think that's true of, of particularly reaching men, in this case millennial men. Give them something to do. Challenge them. Put it out there for them and say, we need your help in accomplishing this. Let's go tackle this subject, project, topic, you know, task, whatever it might be. So I think that's good care, confidence, challenge. What else you got? And
0: the last one we have is praise them. Actually encourage them. Lift them up. Again, guys are emotional, even if we don't like using that word to define them. Uh, A study that I read a few years ago, uh, so it might be outdated, and I don't know the statistics now, but they looked at um, young uh, kids, baby boys, from infancy to age four or five, and that boys were actually more emotive than girls. Hmm. And so this study said they had more facial expressions of anger, fussing, and gestures to be picked up, than girls counterparts, right. <laughs> and they tended to cry more. And boys were more socially oriented than girls, and more likely to look at their mother and display facial expressions of joy. Hmm. And then what happens after age five? We we get told that boys aren't supposed to cry; that we're supposed to be, you know, I'm a man. You know, you, you can see videos of this on YouTube, like little kids being like, "I'm a man; I don't feel pain." And we, you know, we we teach ourselves otherwise, but at the core of who we are is you know, there's, like, little boys in all of us somewhere still, and we all love being encouraged. Thoughts?
1: No, just I just want to close it up and say two things. First, you know, the care, the confidence, the challenge, the praise. The praise can be simple, right? Just, like, good job. Yeah. Uh, well done. Or, you know, just, you know, I don't want to. You don't any, have to. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say you don't have to talk to them like they're babies. Yeah. <laughs> that's I not what I, I was going. I was just going to say. It's not, you know. But then, you know, I, I just think... It, so here we are talking about reaching millennial men. That's what we're interested in doing at Burlap is helping churches reach and engage millennials. And to tell a new narrative, one of vibrancy and growth. And, and, you know, we believe the kingdom of God is never in trouble, that Jesus Christ is the foundation of the church. And because of that, as dark as it may seem at times, we can still do what we can do and be faithful to reaching millennials, in this case, men. I do think we need to interview and talk about women and I think we probably need to bring some guests on and say, what is it? what How should the church be thinking about reaching millennial women? as opposed to, I mean, we've already identified some of the things like independence and the ability to just carry on without needing the help of others like we traditionally have thought that women might need to do. Uh, but so all that to say is we re, we really want to just be a help to you in any way possible. And so we we brought this topic because this is something that's near to our heart is, reaching millennial men and trying to figure out ways to, to care, uh, to project confidence, uh, to challenge people and to praise them. And we hope that if you can, uh, engage and, and, and practice those four things that, uh, you will have a a better chance of reaching millennial men. So I'll just close with that. I don't know if you want to add anything to that, or if you just want to sign us off.
0: Nope. Sounds good. Thanks for listening, friends.